This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Old R, Min, and JR. Welcome to episode 33. Today we finish out our month of Sheskis. And no, we're not continuing history. Today it's all about the movie Seventeen, which is the group's theatrical debut. Because who wouldn't think that this group would have a movie that isn't technically about them, but it's a movie. It's weird. We're gonna talk about it. So if you want to listen to, like, the actual history of Shesuke's, you gotta go back to the two previous episodes. This one, all movie. So let's just start, shall we? So Seventeen was released on July 17th, ironic, of 1998 and was 98 minutes long. There are a lot of like overlapping numbers there, I didn't realize. (laughs) But the movie explores what it's like to be a Korean teenager in the late 90s through the eyes of nine teenagers, six of which are the members of Jackie's. The film starts off looking at student life and then does a complete 180 and looks at other situations people around the age of 17 might find themselves in. This includes rivalries, romantic relationships, and pressure from parents to choose a certain path after high school. This sounds pretty great, right? You know, like some good old 90s, old-fashioned coming-of-age story. And it's a movie. (laughs) We'll say that. It's a mess. (laughs) There was a lot of potential here, and I don't know if it was a matter of them not being able to like harness that potential or just people didn't know what they were doing but we'll get a little bit more into that in a little bit but for now let's just jump into talking about the characters themselves so the first character we're introduced to is Heijin, who is played by Kim Jihye, who is a former member of the group Toya, who was a first-generation girl group. She was a top student and seems to be working hard to get into college, but this character's dream is to be a backup dancer, which is an issue in her family because her mom is a respected daughter and she wants her to follow in her footsteps. Heijin's love interest is Sangrok, played by Zetsuki's member Kang Sang-hun, and he is the popular class representative and school radio DJ. He's got a lot going for him. He's friends with the class delinquent Jun-tae, who is basically the main character of the movie and was played by Zetsuki's member Eun-ji-won. Jun-tae's arch nemesis is Taegon, who is played by Zetsuki's member Ko Ji-young. Anytime Jun-tae and Taegon are around each other, they're ready to fight. The main reason for this is their difference in class. As Juntae is implied as being from a rough background, while Taegun is from a more privileged class and looks down on others. For the first part of the movie, those are the main characters on screen, but there's also two Zetsuki's members Heijin dances with. The first guy is Hyuk, who is a great dancer and sometimes leads practices, and is unsurprisingly played by Zetsuki's member Lee Jejin. The other is Hangi, who needs a bit of help and was played by Zetsuki's magne Jang Suwon. Unfortunately, all but one of these characters don't appear in the second half of the film. After Jintae punches out Daegon for the last time, he burns all of his school books and just drops out. We are then introduced to Gigi, who is a tomboy trying to make a living, getting a commission for bringing people to a bar. She then becomes the love interest of Jintae. Strangely enough, her character isn't actually credited on most sites that lists the cast of the movie, but we were able to dig up a really old Dom page and it lists her as Kim Unmi. 
Anyway, back to the movie. Gigi's best friend and roommate is a girl called Titi, who is played by Lee Hye Ryeon. Titi works at a gas station and is very much a girly girl. Titi ends up falling in love with Jungsoo, who is a motorcycle-obsessed punk, played by Seski's member Kim Jae-duk. And that is basically the rundown of all of the characters you meet in this movie. So let's begin talking about what actually happened in this movie and what we liked about it. So there's gonna be spoilers. This movie is way over 20 years old by now. So if you don't want spoiler for this movie, this is the place where you cut out and go watch it yourself. And then come back. (laughs) Yeah. And if you don't care, then please listen, because we have opinions. So the first things we want to talk about are the aspects of the movie that actually worked. And my first point is only here by virtue of the movie being set in the 90s, but the fashion is incredible. And the same goes for the hair and makeup. Like at one point, Suwon, yes, they, you know, we're all in agreement with this. At one point, Suwon is out here wearing leather junkos and wow, a look incredible and sanghoon <laughs> has like a little denim shirt and sweater vest look at one point just great if anything watch it for the aesthetic of it like it's not beautifully shot or anything like that because it's a 90s movie and it's also a k-pop idol movie but it has some really great outfits and especially with y2k coming back around there might be some inspiration there i really love all the hair colors and the sunglasses it's just oh it's, it's so great jaejin with his bright blue hair mm. it's like blindingly blue yes it was so good which it's such a shame he was on screen for so little time because his hair was great and you see him for like two seconds he's a blue he's a blue dash across the screen well, same with Suwon. Kind of sad about how him and Suwon, out of all the members, they got like the littlest time. Unfortunate. It's just like, this is a movie that was mm-hmm. made because of the Zetsky's members. Why is it only literally like three of them matter? I love how J-Duck was dressed. Because like that, out of I think out of all the dress styles, J-Duck's was the weirdest. Oh, for sure. Like, what were they going for? He had those goggles on like the entire time he was on screen right but that made sense though because he was the motorcycle guy but what was weird was like his shirts and his pants (laughs) he wore the most bizarre stuff where it's like i cannot see any teenager voluntarily wearing this Mm -hmm. yeah so the costume design was great if there was any i mean i wouldn't have been surprised if they just told them to come on set and they wore whatever they wanted to wear but let's move on to the next point that we thought worked so For me, I thought that the movie's soundtrack, which was mainly full of the group songs, worked. And I really appreciated how they were inserted at appropriate points and it wasn't overwhelming. Like, there's been some idol shows or movies where, like, it's very clear they just wanted to stuff in the music from the idol. But, like, that was not the correct point to do it. Whereas this made sense. Like, there was one point where couple was used and it was used when two characters were going on a date. That's fine. It was, like, sort of like a montage thing as they were going on the train and eating lunch and stuff. It's like, that fits. Perfect. And I loved how it was not overwhelming it was not inappropriate the lyrics and the music always matched up or like when they were in a club dancing it's like the beat and like the tracks that were chosen for that like that makes sense so i really just appreciated whoever chose the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and like where they put the soundtrack in that was great 
I agree. And you would think, too, that a movie about Jackie's, it might have more of a focus on music in general, but really it was just the, the backup dancing plotline that was there for a little bit. So I just, it was an interesting direction to take it in, that's for sure. The, I will say this, though. The movie matched the lyrics that they had mm -hmm. like the songs that came out around that time like school anthem about like how stressful like exams are and studying and and expectations that was seen in here or like some like the sad romance stuff with like parting that's been in their discography oh, quite a bit and that was in this movie so i felt like it was very true to their music on that side yeah. so so what's another point you have okay Again, this is not something that is like, wow, this was so great, but I just found it so absolutely hilarious. So like we said, second half of the movie takes a 180. And at this point, J-Duck's father sticks his own like personal secret service on the four characters that are the main focal point of the movie at this point. So that's Jiwon, J-Duck, TT, and Gigi. They're all like out partying, having fun, and his father sends his secret service at him. And they go on a chase scene. So the two couples are on motorcycles and the secret service, they're in cars, and they're chasing them. And just during this part, J-Duck and TT, who were having issues just a scene before, they were like angry at each other for certain things. I don't want to get too much into it because you can watch the movie and see yourself. They were about to break up practically, but this gives them a chance to have a heart-to-heart -heart while they are racing at speeds that are illegal with people far behind them. Not far behind them, honestly. They're like right behind them, try to like plow them down. I just... It gives me the same vibe as like Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan getting married in the midst of a mutiny in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm just sitting here like, this is not the time for this, people. <laughs> Please wait. <laughs> wait until you kind of go off onto like a forest path or something and lose them and then have this heart to heart. But I don't know. Do I need a spoiler for the Pirates of the Caribbean? You said it was going to contain spoilers. I know, but not for Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> that one's also almost 20 years old, so hopefully it's fine. Yeah, so who can- Oh, don't say 20 years old, that makes you feel old. <laughs> but the chase scene was full of such action. And the thing that got me, though, was like, yes, I know it's, like, the exciting part, but I'm just thinking, like, if you're gonna bring a kid home who's, like, known for running away, running them off on the side of the road while they have a passenger and they're on a motorcycle- like, why were they surprised that something bad would happen? I know. Like, yeah, of course. Like, the only thing that could possibly happen is them getting into a crash. <laughs> I know. Like, it's like, like are it's you going to so wait for dumb. them to run out of gas? <laughs> like, to be fair, the, the dad said any way that you can get them home, do that. It's like, yeah, you're going to get them home in a mm -hmm. body bag. I know. Like, it was such a bad idea. The writing is great. Can you tell? <laughs> But I can see, though, people in real life doing that, where it's like, oh, go get blank blank, and he, they're not given any direction, no boundaries, and they're like, okay, we'll do mm -hmm. it. And then they go do something like yeah. this stupid. Like, I could see that happening. Yeah. Like, that's the reason why you have to give, like, perimeters. It's like, hey, don't try to get him killed. We want him to come back home, you know, alive. <laughs> like, we are just basically picking up the kid. Well... <laughs> But at the at the same time, it's like, can you imagine your boss telling you, hey, get in contact with my son, and he's like, I'm gonna kill this dude? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. And nobody got charged for it either. There's some, like, vindication maybe at the end of the 
movie, but you're like, that was not, this is, this is not it. Well, considering how much property damage happened, like, consider, like, the couple of car crashes and the truck where, like, the barrels of water got, you know, yeah. wrecked on the side of the road, and it's like, I get that he could, the dad could have bought up the cops, but at the same time, though, like, are you really gonna keep those men at your side? <laughs> they clearly are more of a liability. Okay, so I want to talk about my favorite part of the movie, which was whenever Junte and Tegon were fighting, I thought it was hilarious because they were always overdramatic. So basically, you're seeing Unjiwan and Kojiong, they're just fighting and they're just mean to each other and they're just fighting all the time. Anytime they're on screen, they're going to fight. They're fighting while playing sports. They're fighting at night. They jump each other. They even fight in the classroom. And it was just so funny to me because Jiang was like mm. on the younger side of the group. And yet he was constantly <laughs> going after and antagonizing his leader. The best fight they had, in my opinion, was when Unjiwan's character pulled a metal pipe out of his backpack in the middle of class. And when we did a watch party for this movie, we all cracked up at this part because it was like, what is he doing? They're, they're in the middle of reading in class. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you see Jiwon reach down into his backpack and he pulls out this pipe. And then you just see Sung-Hoon just like, are you kidding me? And he's like trying to like get him out of the way. And then Jiwon just like just chucks it at Jiyong. Yeah. And he could have really done some damage if Jiyong hadn't ducked. It was just so cartoonish. Hopefully it wasn't like an actual pipe. But like we said, we don't know what went into the production of this movie. It was just... Such a hot it mess. could have been for all we know. I know that school violence isn't funny, yeah. <laughs> but this particular fight was slapstick. Mm. That's what it felt like to me. Where it felt, it, yeah, it didn't feel like someone in real life would do that. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think, I think in my notes, I wrote like he's about to like fight a dude in broad daylight in school, like in class, and the it, teacher's there. The whole class oh is goodness. there. I know. And he's at the, like the back Absolutely of the room, ridiculous. and then there's Sunkun, who's the class representative that everyone likes. And before, like, the new teacher comes, the class is like, hey, could you just teach us? We like you way better than normal teachers. And Sunkun's <laughs> like, oh, you know. And then you've got Jiyoung, who's just, like, a jerk. And poor Sunkun, how, how much he tried to have them be at peace with each other. He tried to get them both to come to school and be nice. And it just ended poor, so badly. And I felt so bad for poor Sunkun. Jiwon dropped out. And then Jiyoung, at the end, he had, his neck was, like, in, like, this stupid brace. And he was, like, having a difficult time moving. There was also one part where Jiyoung hit Jiwon on the back of the head and then the next day Jiwon comes to school with this white patch on top of his hair <laughs> it was just stupid it didn't make any sense so if you want some comedy this is the part you need to watch yeah I will say that for all the genres this movie is I feel like the one through line of a genre if you could say that is makjang which is hilarious to me for those of you who don't know what makjang is usually it's used to describe k-dramas and it's like the ones with the kimchi slap or some of the more recent makjangs have been a lot more sophisticated i would say so something like the world of the married is considered a makjang because essentially this genre encompasses crazy ridiculous things that would not happen in real life and there's just multiple elements of that in this movie <laughs> but it's it's funny to watch that's for sure 
All right, let's round out this section of the podcast with something that actually I do find good, and she's probably the most realistically written character, and that is Gigi. She's incredibly strong both mentally and physically, and she helps Jiwon out even though she has no clue who he is, although it might be because he's cute. That's a possibility. But he's also, like, kind of stupid at this part of the movie. Yeah. Like, he's just straight up dumb. There's a whole thing with that. If you watch it, you understand. But yeah, she has a job and a place of her own, and she's the only level-headed character in this entire movie. That's that's something I will say. And like we've said, everyone else is pretty much a caricature. So having her up against everyone else, it's like, how did she end up being such a great and well-fleshed-out person as opposed to these three other people who are next to her getting just as much screen time? It was, I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but she is a really good part of the movie. Yeah. Also, that kind of, once again, bugs me that on a lot of sites, her actress isn't credited. Like, I looked on IMDb, I looked on, what is it, Asia Wiki? Or Drama Wiki, it was one of those. Her character was not listed at all. Like, they listed some of the adult actors, but not her. And as she is such a focal point in the second half of the movie, that really surprised me. Like, I shouldn't have had to really dig deep on, like, the Korean websites to go find her. Like, I didn't even find her on Naver. I had to go to Dom on, like, a really old movie page to find it. So what about all the things that was just not working out in this hot, hot mess of a film? So my main beef with the movie is the writing of it because it starts off with Sung-hoon and Hyejin's characters on a train and in the first half of the film there's so much focus specifically on Hyejin that I thought that she was going to be the main character of this movie because she was like very much in like the focal point. It seemed like Sung-hoon and the other characters were like side people doing stuff and she was the main protagonist who like all these people are around. But no, her story wrapped up within the first half of the film and the only character who was there from most of the beginning was Unji Wan's character. That really bugged me because that I felt like that was very misleading, at least to me. Yeah, he is the only connecting factor for the two halves of the film. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. It's really funny. But even then, though, he feels like two entirely different characters at the first half of the film and the second half of the film. He feels Mm -hmm. like a very different person. To me, it felt like the person who wrote the first half was replaced by someone else who wrote the second half. Like, the person who wrote the first half wanted to make, like, a melodrama. And the person who wrote the second half wanted to turn it into an action movie. And it was, like, the first one was like, and then they did this, and then they did this. Whereas the second one had, in my opinion, had way better writing where it's like, and there are all these things going on, and let's watch them all converge into one thing. That made sense, and I liked that. Also, just how, like, her story wrapped up. I love her goodbye to Sung-Hoon's character. She was dressed very 90s with like the baggy pants, like the baggy shirts and stuff like that. And she was trying to dance hip hop. And Sung-Hoon had to look like she was the most beautiful person he'd ever seen. This is her at her most attractive. And it was just so funny because they kept like cutting to him. And it was clear that he's, they're like, and make like this face. You're reacting this way. <laughs> it was just so awkward. And I didn't notice that till my second time around with this movie that they did that. And to be honest, your theory about having two different writers isn't that shocking. Because you've see, you could see this in K-dramas even today. Yeah. 
if there's creative differences, a writer leaves, another one's brought on, and the quality significantly drops. Which is better than losing all of your production costs, but it turns it into something that you're very confused at when you look closely. Yeah, well, the difference, I think, between the first and second half, I think that it was better in the second half, but Mm -hmm. the pacing of it was so obnoxious because the first half goes so slow and there's all these little minute details and a lot of them did not pay off. It was, there were so many non sequiturs. It was like, what was the point of that? Some of like the focuses they made, (laughs) just like, well, that's yeah. stupid. Why would you even bring yeah. that up? Because I remember there was one part at the beginning. So Heijin's yeah. parents are upset at her wanting to be a backup dancer. And her dad just goes ballistic and like wrecks the TV because apparently she's been watching too much TV. And it's like, we have not seen her look at a screen the entire movie. Nobody's ever said anything about TVs up to this point. And I'm like, why are you taking it out on the TV when there is no precedent for that being an issue? My favorite thing is also that she's got like top grades. Her only main issue besides of uh, that her parents should have of her beds of the dancing is that she stays up all night and that she needs they use the word drugs to keep her up like she needed something like to keep her awake to study because she gets home so late but think of that more like you should be worried about your daughter's health than be angry because they didn't have any yeah. problem with her staying up late and being out late they didn't have any problem with that as parents wouldn't you notice if your kid had their light on all night and only got like one hour or two hours of sleep like wouldn't you notice that but her parents also though were very out to lunch very self-absorbed like there's one point where the kids get out of school and she goes to dinner with her parents and her brother and then the parents say oh we gotta go we've got a high school reunion that's for couples only it was just like you are literally ditching your kids at a restaurant <laughs> that's so dumb yeah Dancing isn't a huge part of this movie. You would think it would be a big part of this movie, but it really isn't. And also the dancing is very, like, 90s backup dancer style. Like, have you seen any performance made in the late 90s that has backup dancers? That exact same dancing that happens in this movie. And that is fine. But for a girl whose dream is to become a backup dancer, whenever she dances, She looks so uncomfortable. She is trying so hard to do the steps correctly. You can see that she is focusing so hard on being like, okay, step one, step two, step three, do, clap, spin. Like, you can see how hard she is focusing. There is no joy here. She is not having fun. You would believe that this girl would have fun while doing this, but she's not. She is just trying her best to get an A plus on her can I do the moves correctly test in her brain. Like, at least pretend that you're having fun. It's just weird to me, okay? Like, there are dancers that it looks like they have fun. No, no yeah. No, no, we agree with you, we agree with you. My thing is that she's a girl group. Yeah, and that she was struggling with it because we were giving her the benefit of the doubt I remember when we were doing the watch party we were like oh well she probably doesn't know how to dance like it's not something that she does in her everyday life and then we're like wait she's a girl group member why is she struggling but 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 keep in mind that girl group dancing back then was nothing like what she was doing in this movie also problem with it 
in my opinion, is that it went on for too long. Like, I can, yeah. I know that she was trying to show off to her boyfriend, hey, look at my dance moves. I want you to be such a good dancer by the time I come back. And he's like, cool. Her solo one at the end went on for so long, especially because the other dance scenes with her were maybe 10 seconds. Whereas this was like a good 30 second to a minute. Like, it went on, like, yeah. absurdly long. I know it's supposed to be, like, a very dramatic ending <laughs> for her section, but it just felt like okay we get it let's go sort of thing but we agree good example of the bad pacing <laughs> my final and biggest issue like sure the writing is terrible sure it's multiple genres but my main issue with the movie yeah. is that they throw more than half the members of jackie's out in the second half of the mm -hmm. movie because you only see jiwon and jada for the latter half of it so can you imagine this movie is marketed as a jackie's movie Meaning you would assume that there is a decent amount of screen time between the members. Or at least an okay amount. Because obviously there were members that were more popular than others and they would give them more screen time, as we can tell. But I went into this not realizing just how bad the amount of screen time is. Like, I kind of want to do almost a line distribution type thing with this and see how long each member was on. Obviously Jiwon is going to take the cake. But it's just, if you... Are a fan of Suwon, Jiyoung, or Jaejin. Jiyoung not as much because he did actually have like some substance to his character, even if it wasn't great. But if those three members, any of them were your bias, I mean, sucks to be you, I guess, because you're gonna see Jaejin's flash of blue hair on the screen and then he's gone for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's just poor writing and not knowing how to flesh out characters and there is just so much with it. I don't even know. It was just terrible. <laughs> in yeah. that regard so maybe i was on my own by this but when i first watched this movie what i had been expecting because i'd seen other idol movies before and this was either the first or one of the first i believe it is the first though to do this my main thing was i was expecting it to end with them all teaming up and forming like a dance club together and then them going on to debut sort of thing like a call back to reality sort of thing mm. but nope they're just gone. Like, I kept waiting for them to show up. Especially Sungkyun. Because Sungkyun <laughs> was so popular during that time period. Yeah. And he was great in the first half, but him just, like, gone to the wind and never heard of again was very shocking. Because, once again, he was in the first scene for the opening. He's there. And he's so, like pivotal and they just like threw him out i really kind of had waited for them to get back together but never happened like i might be alone in that but yeah that was like the most shocking thing to me in my first run through yeah because i think you had seen it before we did yeah i've seen correct? it a couple times yeah yeah so i think we were we even mentioned we were like so when are the other members coming back and you're like oh no they don't it's just it's just them two for the rest of the show and i'm like what how why and i was trying not to spoil it for you guys but at the same time i'm like don't get your hopes up like i did i had such high hopes because it's this movie is such a classic and so many people have seen it so i was like oh okay then it must be really good and then i remembered how the writing of movies were in that time period and it's like ah to wrap up, Seventeen was a fun movie that featured Zetskis. If you want to watch it yourself, the only place we could find that was easily accessible to international fans with English subtitles was on YouTube. The video was uploaded and subtitled by fans, so it's not subtitled all the way, but about 90% of it is, so you'll be able to understand what's going on if you don't know Korean. Now, let's move on to the song of the day. 
Today, July 18th, all the way back in 2011, Miss A released their very first full-length album, A-Class. The title track of this album was Goodbye Baby, which was marketed as a stylish and provocative comeback by hot girl Miss A. Because Miss A was a hot and cheek girl group. This is what they wrote in the album description. <laughs> But Goodbye Baby is basically a song about a wonderful woman who throws away a light flirt. Which is also what the album says this song is about, but yeah, it's... I don't want to deal with you anymore. You're kind of dumb, so go away. It's a great song. The dance is also wonderful, and I really like A-Class as an album because it does feature every single song that they released previously from all their, like, the standalone singles, but also the other songs featured on their many albums. So you could technically just buy this album and have their entire discography up until this point on this album. It's a good album, also features new songs, which some artists are afraid of doing nowadays. But yeah, Miss A, go listen to Goodbye Baby. It's a good song. Let's jump over to trivia time. Yes, so because this is the last episode of the month, this is just a question for the people who are here. So here's some trivia. Many groups have light sticks, including Zetskis, but do you know which member teased having his own fake, fake, light stick on Instagram last year? I know you've talked about it, but I don't remember who it is. Is it Jada? I was also going to say Jada, because <laughs> I still don't remember that. I remember who it is. Uh... So yes, you were correct, JR. <laughs> it was J-Duck. And it is pretty funny because it was released a couple hours after HRT's Wuhyuk had teased his own, just his own light stick separate from the group. So then a couple hours later, J-Duck uploaded an image of basically a fan light stick for J-Duck and it shows like a bunch of duckies <laughs> on it. And him just like smiling and has like the Zetsky's yellow color. Aww. And as we know that they are friends, I c he's never said, hey, I'm imitating him. But it just looks like he just pulled that out of nothing. At a couple hours, he's like, oh, you have your light stick coming? So do I. <laughs> and it's just That's this great. crafts at home light stick. I would get it. I'll be honest. Like if I found out that he was genuinely coming out with that light stick, I would absolutely go buy it instead of the group one. Because I just think it would be hilarious to hold that up at a concert. He needs to get on that. <laughs> I know he meant it as a joke, but seriously, J-Duck, do it. So yes, we hope to see if he does get a, his own solo little light stick. I hope to see it very soon. So, Jer, take us out. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Also, a reminder that our next episode comes out on August 1st. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.